You are listening to The Sober Baddies with Sarah Malloy and Elaine Schuyler Neal as part of the Sobertown Podcast. Visit SobertownPodcast.com for resources and tips on getting sober and staying sober. Sarah Malloy! Elaine, what a girl! I literally had just like butterflies knowing that I was getting on this call with you. I was all zen like 20 minutes ago, but then when I was sending you the Zoom link and everything, I was like, oh my gosh, it's really happening. Woo! I know, girl. I like marked it on my calendar. And then I was like texting you last night. Like I wasn't really, I, what I could have been doing was, you know, thinking about our topic and what we might, but I was just like, Text. I wanted to just text you memes like, <laughs> OMG sobriety. I find it better to just go off the top of my head. The more that I plan things to say, the worse it comes out. I feel like, right? My cat has attached me as we speak. He's going into okay, like well, ninja mode. Okay, girl, you look amazing. Well, cool. You look amazing. You always look amazing, though. Well, <laughs> thank you. I do try. Effortless takes effort. You look downright effortless. Oh, man. I will take that as a compliment. You know, it's like this year has been crazy just already with all the things. And yeah. Oh, I see what you're making there. You're making coffee or you're making tea. No, I'm making coffee. I did the I did the espresso thing, and the espresso goes into this, and then I put it in the mug, and then I. So wait a second. Does that mean you're back on caffeine? Oh my god, it does. I. <laughs> I have to, yeah, I have to. I don't feel alone in my if my I have to addiction. I need to gear up to quit again, because I'm already like, back to addicted. Like yesterday, I almost. Bailed. This is when you know you have a problem, people. I almost bailed out of an important call so I could go get coffee at 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, I just want to go to a coffee shop and cuddle into a nice big cup of coffee. I, I think I'm going to reschedule. And I was like, that's when you have an addiction, when it affects your life. I just drove 15 minutes to the one coffee shop that we have in this area. There's, there's like... Oh. I mean, you know, I live in the middle of nowhere now, <laughs> whereas before yeah. we had like, you know, shops all downstairs from our place. And now I have right. to just like go 15 minutes to get like a decent, you know, anyway, the point is there's nothing out here. So, but I just, and you're addicted wanted. enough to get in your car. <laughs> I know, but it's true. At least it's not a Starbucks. Yeah. 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 There we go. There we go. They're all gone. Now I'm local. Yeah, exactly. I'm supporting the people. That's what I'm doing. Um, Not feeding my demon. So how have your demons been? Because we're talking about sober toddlers as we are. Like I hit two years in October. uh You're way beyond me. I know that. But you're still a sober toddler. We babies. I'm not way beyond. We babies. I'm not way beyond shit right now. We babies. (laughs) But I mean, uh, been, like you've had a really busy um, summer, fall as well. We both have been mm-hmm. kind of in that work grinder. And how do you feel like, how have you felt through all of it? Like just being, you know, over the top with clients and things like that. 
because you said you had birthed some kitchens. So in between we've talked, you've birthed some kitchens. I've birthed some websites. <laughs> yep. It's been huge. It's been, I mean, Drifter was like, hey girl, where's the sober baddies? And I'm like, I barely even had time to even like text him back. You know, and I barely even had time to text you in all of it. So in a word, it's been awesome. Yeah. I've been working <laughs> at my 1000% per like potential. Yeah. In like so all the best ways. Like, do you feel like when you're working a lot and you're working at capacity, do you feel overwhelmed ever? Or do you feel just kind of like I got this or is it both or how's that go through your mind? Now I feel, I don't feel overwhelmed. I feel like there's a lot on my plate, but I feel like I can see it all. I can, I just, I feel like I am on the horse. Awesome. I really do. What about you? Yeah, I feel good. You know what? One thing that made me realize when I returned to, so this business that I have is fairly new, really, even though I've been building Squarespace websites for a long time, my business in it kind of ramped up over the last year or so. And um, it was kind of more of a side gig before. And yeah, now it's like a full time gig. And what it made me realize was how much I really wasn't functioning as a drinker. Because I thought I was functioning, you know, I had a job, you know, part time at the museum and I was doing all these cool things. I launched this travel blog. I was traveling. I was photographing. I was getting clients here and there. But it until this business took off that I have now, it kind of made me realize I wasn't really functioning before. I was kind of just totally. barely clawing through my existence, you know. And it feels totally. really good to be back at kind of like a normal humans. I'm trying to take it down so that I'm not so like uh, crazy busy because I will say that like when I got a little bit crazy busy where I was working 10 hours a day, I was like, this is not now I'm now I'm drifting out of the work life balance that I want. So there's that. OK. Yeah. Yeah. But I know exactly what you mean when you talk about that you thought you were doing great and that you were an adult and you were a professional and you weren't just getting by. You were fucking showing up and doing the bare minimum. Yeah. Like, exactly. I think about it all the time because I used to be an elementary school teacher. Right. And I am dynamic in the classroom. I, it, you it's a gift I have. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not afraid to say it, people. I own am a girl. Own it. I am dynamic. Yeah. But I was a drunk yeah. and I was, I was showing up when they told me to show up. I was doing the things. Fire. What's going on down there? <laughs> I had lit a candle, the candle that you gave me. It looks like the bottom of her screen is on fire. <laughs> Wait, sorry. I'm like, do you need to attend to that? Okay, come on. It's feeling really hot down below. Um, I was just like showing up, and I was creative, and I was bringing new ideas, and you know, being creative. And exciting, but I, but now that I can see what my full potential is over in this job, I'm like, man, I could have been so much better. But that's that. That's then. But right now, I mean, I'm working at full capacity on jobs that I never would have dreamed I would be doing. And 
Sometimes I work after the kids go to bed, but for the most part, it's all handled and managed and scheduled with grace. Yeah, like it doesn't sound like it's stressing you out anymore. No. I mean, there for a minute it was. The stakes are high. I mean, this is hundreds of thousands of other people's dollars. Yeah. And, And I have to have this like forethought beyond 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 like about 10 steps ahead and it's still i still haven't excelled all the way the stuff still has to go in stuff has to fit but i'm confident because if if there's something wrong i can address it right i got sobriety bitch yeah (laughs) you're like you should put that website now like i got sobriety bitch i got you i can build your kitchen (laughs) yeah it really it truly is I mean, do you so, ponder that a lot well, in, in this second year? Because I tell you what, and not to digress, I just rolled my car, no joke, during a s- snowstorm two weeks ago, and I wasn't injured or anything. I walked away with zero uh, scratches, bruises, nothing, even though I, let's call it, I fucked up the car for sure. I told yeah. the car, but it was like... The gratitude that I had, I wasn't thinking to myself, man, look at the shit that happens to me. Like, being, I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm totally fine. And there was a guy who came along. He picked me up. He drove me home. He, he, everybody was like, are you okay, man? That looked gnarly. And I was like, yeah, I'm totally fine. And people were like, man, that's a bummer. That looked like a great car. And I'm like, nah. It's fine. You it's know? a material possession. Honestly, I was the insurance shot. and do the next I've thing. I've been in a rollover accident. If you like, it's fucking freaky. And when you stop rolling, I, I was like patting myself down. I was patting the cat down because I was taking the cat to the vet. And I was oh, like, wow, wow, we're fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I have been in a rollover accident. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a bad driver. I'm just unlucky. But well, you live in Colorado. We live in Colorado. <laughs> Like, yeah, I just, there was like the tiniest bit of uh, snow on the road. And what's really funny is I had just driven from this really cool sober meetup from the I am I am sober group in Utah. And I had driven through some just some horrible snow and all kinds of white knuckle driving. And this was just a little dusting, you know, and it just yeah. goes to show you never know when you're going to, you know, lose control yep. of something like your car. Oh. <laughs> But and that was like and it's crazy because a rollover accident is something that you're qualifying as a sobriety win. Like you just have you have this like bright side silver lining that goes to everything. I was thinking even after that happened, if that would have happened to me while I was a drinker, I would have gotten really fucked up that day because I would have been just drinking into my own self pity, you know. And, and I, it was so nice to, I just like, I literally got back to work about an hour later. Once the my nerves were kind of settled, I was like, oh yeah, I got to do this thing. And I mean, I'm not saying that that's how everybody should be. And I'm not saying that sobriety saves you from car accidents either, but it definitely lifted my perspective during all of it. Oh, totally. I love that. Okay. So today we're kind of talking about being sober toddlers, like. We are both at the two plus years mark. And we're like, first of all, we haven't checked in with each other in what feels like a year. Because we've been swamped with work. And 
now here we are going, all right, we're about two plus years. How's it feel? Where are we at? And I just have to say that um, I started rereading We Are the Luckiest by Laura McCowan. Oh, such a good one. Oh, and she ends with this quote. Um, I think it's like a Hemingway quote or something. And it says, it's two guys talking and it says, how'd you go bankrupt? And he says, gradually, then all at once. Mm-hmm. And I think it's meant to be a metaphor for how your drinking became a problem. And it's it was gradually then all at once. And here, because I read that book when I was like five minutes sober. Yeah. And it, it's raw, man. And I'm reading it again and it's still super raw. But I was kind of had our topic in the back of my mind. And I thought, it's kind of how I got sober. Yeah. Was gradually and then all at once Mm -hmm. because I was like trying to prepare ever the teacher trying to prepare for this this you know this session together and I was like well what do I even write like what is what does two plus years sober look like and it was almost this thing that I couldn't quite put my finger on because it was gradual then all at once and it's like it's like I don't know. It's like, it's like, well, how do you feel about your lymph nodes? It's just, it's this thing me now that I have gratitude for it almost every minute of every day, but it's not something that I spend energy thinking about or solving or working on or doing. It's just the essence of who I am and it feels so fucking good. Yeah, it does. I definitely feel like I share a lot of those perspectives as well, but that's a great quote and um, or that's a great sentiment. I feel like I'm settling into the reality still that I'm never going to drink again because <laughs> for the longest time, and I will admit, like I just kind of thought, and I'm sure I know that there are so many other people who feel this way when you start um stopping drinking you think um well i just need to get a handle on this and i need to take a long break and that wasn't really a conscious um thought process going through my mind but if i'm really honest i don't think i was really prepared to stop drinking forever and so when i started mm-hmm. getting to the year mark and i started thinking about never drinking again it was harder than i thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mind started, you know, my mind will look for all kinds of ways to normalize drinking again. It doesn't take much. Even in other so- sober groups, like even when I was going out to Utah, I had to kind of mentally prepare myself because my mind will look for weird, over the top things people might say that don't align with how I feel. And it'll be like that. See, you're not one of them. You can go back to drinking. You are normal. And then there's all kinds of dialogue that just I wasn't prepared for that your mind creates like, see, you got to two years sober. You didn't really have a problem. You wouldn't have been able to do all this. Those kinds of things Uh are something that I've had to like take a totally different approach on and try to understand thoughts in general and how they manifest in my mind and how to just kind of look at them not as fact you know as so many people yes. know better than me 
Um, but that's been its own part of this that has been so challenging, but also extremely rewarding, you know? Yeah. Feels like I Where are you at with that now? Oh, I feel really like, good. You yeah. be honest. It's just us. It's just you, me, <laughs> and our and three listeners. listeners. <laughs> okay. It's just us five people. No, mm-hmm. it's Richter. And- like, where do you think you're at? Like, where do you think you are with like, because here's the other thing that Laura McCowan says in the book. I don't know if it's in the beginning, where it is in the book, but the idea of forever is something that kind of keeps people from quitting. But oh, yeah. It keeps people drinking because they're like, well, I can't do it forever. I'll do forever later. And they just keep drinking. And she said, um, you can wade into right now, but you can drown in forever. Yeah. I so agree. where are you with the forever? So um, one thing that I've really embraced is um, trying to cultivate an existence on like living in the now. You know, I'm a huge Eckhart Tolle fan. Totally. And I, I can't recommend that enough to anyone in any stage of sobriety because it, it's not, it made me realize it's not just about the addict voice. It's about all the voices in your head that don't need to have um, as much real estate as we give them, you know? Totally. And so that's been, it's so I kind of vacillate between really trying to um, live in the present, like try to um, do strategies. There's all kinds of strategies he's provides because i think when i first heard that i was like what does that even mean i feel present just meaning that you're not letting your mind continually go into um haywire constantly and take over your thoughts endlessly which is something that happens to me quite easily if i don't Mm -hmm. practice against it the other thing is is that i am actually accepting this more as a disease than i was in the beginning because in the beginning i was really like I hate the term alcoholic. I hated looking at it as a disease. But I tell you what, as you go along in sobriety, and I bet, I wonder if you feel this way, um, you see a lot of people relapse. And sometimes people just reset and it's no big deal. And they kind of go through that. And then some people relapse hard. And and yeah. um, and I just learned what the kindling effect was. Have you ever heard of the kindling effect? No, tell me. It's basically just like, how as we relapse, getting sober again becomes uh, exponentially more challenging. And, yeah. And um, oh, kindling. I get it. Like starting the fire. Yeah, exactly. And and it's made me realize, like, as I've watched people that I know, but directly that I talk to directly, but also just on the app that we belong to. Um, yep. It makes me realize, like, you know what? This is a lifelong thing. And like, I don't want to kid myself. That it's not because, and so I'm kind of like looking at myself and this condition in a different way than I was willing to a couple of years ago, I think. And that's yeah. okay. Like it's because here's the thing, like if I'm still obsessing, I love what you said early on to me. I still have my addiction, but I just choose not to feed it. And that's me so much inside because the thing is, I, I like sometimes my mind gets going with these rationalizations like, well, you could have a glass of Chardonnay. Big fucking deal. You're not going to die. It'll be OK. My mind will go there. But then, like, I realize, you know what? If you if you're still obsessing about this glass of Chardonnay, 
two fucking years from the last time you had one, maybe this is more like than just, you know, maybe this is a disease. Maybe this is a disease I need to accept it, you know, and that allows yeah. me to like the disease model always made me um, skeptical because people would lean into the disease while they were still drinking and say, well, I have alcoholism and I guess I just have that now. And that would be their excuse. And I didn't want to go that way. But I do think in recovery, looking at a disease for some people like myself might be helpful. And I'm trying to lean into that or allow myself to lean into that more. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's about acceptance. Yeah. And it's honestly, I feel like every transition Everything, everything, whether whether the there's the road is blocked on your way to work and you have to take a detour mm. or you're deciding to make a giant lifestyle change. I think every transition you go through the stages of grief. Yeah. And one of my good friends, one of my strong lighthouses said, the sooner you can get to acceptance, the better off you are. Yeah. And I, I don't mean like rush straight to it, but like you have to have your head in a certain place where you can um have a little bit of grief allow yourself to deny it for a couple minutes like let's let's say that there's a detour on your way to work you know and it's like what no surely i can get around this you know like allow yourself to deny it and allow yourself to be angry i don't know what the order of them are i should pull it up and then when you when you get to acceptance and you go all right well this is what it is you take that deep breath and you go okay yeah. Now I'm on this. The, the better you, the 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 better off you are. The more successful. Yeah. And so it's 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 with everything. It's waking up to snow. It's, <laughs> it's deciding to make a giant lifestyle change that means you can never drink again. I got to go back to that kindling effect. Because yeah. Because I uh, I have been wrestling with the idea that I might have a problem with alcohol for probably 10 years. And then just this last time, um, I decided I was going to quit drinking in order to win an argument with my husband. Right. I I was trying to gain a little more ground, a little higher ground. And I didn't really think about it forever. I just sort of said, I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to leave him in the dust. And I downloaded the first app that came up to me. And um, I didn't really think about forever. But part of the reason I've stayed sober this long is because I somebody said, I want to say it was Karina who said, I know I have another drink in me, but I don't know if I have another sober in me. Yeah. Because getting sober was really kind of the battle of my life. I gave it everything I had. I really did. And and it, it was definitely about that, um, the endurance yeah. and the staying strong moment to moment to moment and um, minute after minute, hour after hour, you know, like, and I, I, and I, I don't know if I could do that again. It wasn't just this thing that I could go, all right, here we go. We'll do it one more. I'll restart. And I, I do see, I do, just like you said, I see people on the app who, they slipped, they mm. drank, and now they're just stuck in the cycle of, you know, one week sober, 
two weeks sober, yeah. one month sober, restart, restart, restart. Well, it's a lot easier to restart after one week. It's like you don't have that much of an investment then, you know? And now can you go, fuck, I'll just do it again. Yeah. And so that, to me, that's kind of what's kept me sober. But from the vantage of two years sober, I feel like I have a new, a whole new vantage on life mm. in every aspect. Do you feel like that? Do you feel, one of the things you said to me one time, it was, um, you know, when you're using, when thinking about a coping, thinking about dealing with something difficult, you're like, you're like, well, I've tried Chardonnay. I know where that gets me as yeah. a coping, as a problem solving solution. But where does this get, where does this door lead? Yeah. And here we are, we're, we're in that we're in that world, you know, the world that it's like Oz in color. It's like Alice in Wonderland. Like we're in this whole new world. And it does feel like Alice in Wonderland sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like sometimes it's kind of trippy, but mostly it's all really cool. No, I love it's it. Really I, cool. I feel I share that perspective as well. I love the endurance analogy because it's so mm -hmm. true. I think about, you know, how hard this has been or how challenging, but in the moment, in each moment, you know, some moments are harder than others, of course, but, you know, to just wait and let that night pass and say, you know what, I'm going to see how I feel tomorrow. Um, mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. what's carried me through from one day to the next and from one moment. Absolutely. And it feels I, I have held that app in my hand. Wait. I have held that app in my hand. The one that counts every second. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I watched the seconds go by. Yeah. And now I have this huge collection of seconds behind me. It's like it's just like my my father-in-law told my kids, uh, save your pennies, they'll turn into dollars. Absolutely. It's true. I mean, it and sounds so simple. No, it is with seconds. Yeah, for sure. I I um I feel a great perspective now, for sure. I can be calm. I I feel a greater sense of peace in all aspects of this, which is what I wanted, you know. Do you feel pretty peaceful in this and um totally. You know, what do you what do you think I mean, do you think this will be it for you? Are you going on for your I mean, I do. Now I'm like there's pretty much no going back for me. I don't think. I do. I mean, you know, we're not really supposed to stay forever. Right. But, and I know that we're only two years in, and I know that there's people on our app that were nine and 10 and 15 years sober. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and now they're back again for another try. But I really do feel like the way that I got sober, I got sober with my whole self. I got sober for myself, by myself. and. I, I really do. There's times that I get kind of tempted, like we were just in Italy, you know, and we're eating Italian food in Italy, in wine country, and my mom's drinking a glass of wine. And I was like, God, oh, that just looks good, you know? Yeah, exactly. But, but it's just like, it, it just never, ever outweighs these benefits that I'm enjoying right now. Yeah. It never, ever outweighs. And when I very first got sober, it felt as if I was trying this new thing. And it, I, I always say this, you know, that Gwyneth Paltrow movie, Sliding Doors? 
Yes. Yeah. You know, I only say this because it's like she missed the train. She misses the train. And and then there's two hers. And it's the one that caught the train and the one that misses the train. Mm. And that tiny little moment of this metaverse, which is like so trending right now, the metaverse. Um, and like she goes about her life on these two paths. Yeah. And that's totally how I felt when I quit drinking because I could definitely still see what the old me would be doing. But I was also experimenting and living in this new me. And I felt like I did feel like it was an experiment. And I felt like there was this like superpower, this super girl me yeah. kind of on my shoulder with a cape and everything and like wind blowing through my hair, her hair. And like, and like, look at how cool this can be. Look at how good this feels. Look at where you are. And then the old me, you know, was like, let's have a glass of wine. Let's have a bottle. And now, and that girl was like on my shoulder and she was kind of guiding me and helping me and encouraging me. And now that girl's not on my shoulder. I am her. Yeah, I love that. I am she. I am she, I think is how we're supposed to say it. <laughs> like, I was weird. I but... am that superpower person who's um, dealing with difficult situations with poise and grace. I'm taking on work. I'm dealing with work. I'm there with my kids. I'm the mom that they can count on. I'm the mom that other moms can count on. I'm the wife that I want to be. When I'm alone, I'm the person that I like. Yeah, absolutely. And and so it's it's that. That's the gradually and then all at once. It was like I work, 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 work. Now, all at once, I am that. I do feel like I'm that super person. I am in full turbo mode, best case scenario, almost everything. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm living the highlight reel. Yeah. I love what you said, you know, what you said about looking at the glass of wine in Italy and saying, like, that looks good. One of the best things that my therapist reminded me of was she, whenever I told her something similar, like I looked across the room longingly at a drink, she was like, it's okay to want that. You know, it's okay to allow yourself to want that. And that was, it sounds like a subtle thing, but that mm -hmm. was really helpful to me because me just allowing myself to like recognize that emotion and not push it down and not it, it allowed me to like accept it and move through it if that makes sense like i just totally like, I want that but okay you know yeah like i, I yep. you know we see a lot of things that we envy sometimes or want and we don't you know uh get all sad about it you know sometimes i'll see a gorgeous house and i'm like oh how lovely that would be nice and then i'm like but mm -hmm. i'm not gonna be like oh poor me i can't have mm -hmm. luxury mm -hmm. attention and make myself all fucked up over it like it's, or be like quiet quiet you're not supposed to want that quiet exactly quiet. yeah how bad are you, you for wanting that bad elaine bad 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 yeah exactly selfish ungrateful right. right it's like we have to if we if we push those things down, then that brings up shame. But if we allow it to bubble up and we kind of honor it or at least observe it and allow ourselves to feel a little curiosity about it, yeah. we can move through it in a healthy way. You gave yep. up such a huge, big thing that we talked about before. But like one thing that I didn't anticipate at all was dealing with the shame, dealing with the negative self-talk that you might find 
you've had all along, you know, some mm-hmm. of us, as we dealt with so many shame cycles and addiction. And then it's like, you don't drink anymore, but those are still there. And getting through those and learning how to not talk to yourself that way anymore, that's something I did not know was going to be part of this, you know? I didn't know how deep I was going to have to dig inside myself to, like, heal and, and, like, be mothering to myself and kind of be like, okay, this is fine, you know? And, and yeah, basically just fire my internal managers that say things and, and disregard what they say. But, again, not shoving them down, just being compassionate for all the things that my mind likes to conjure up. Now it's like if I if my mind starts to say something kind of mean or negative to myself, I'm like, oh, isn't that interesting? Okay. Mm-hmm. But, oh, where I feel like those voices are quieter. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I never knew that there was any other way right. to regard myself. I thought that the old that everyone and the only really way to ever get anything done was to beat yourself up and shame yourself and yell at yourself. And that's really the only way to accomplish things. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I didn't know that you could actually like yourself and have compassion for yourself. And even sometimes if you really get there, like equanimity for yourself where you're like neutral. Yeah. About an event or a decision or something. Mm -hmm. I'm working on that. I'm working on that with food. Yeah. You know, when you clean up probably the biggest addiction that's the one that's the goddamn duvet cover over all your other shit. You take that and you shake it out and send it out to the dumpster. And then you're like, okay, what else is under here? Yeah. And (laughs) it's a whole lot of shit under here. Yeah. And I'm like working on my relationship with food. And I feel like the ground I've gained with alcohol and the way I've starting to understand addiction and addiction thought cycles and shame cycles and self-talk i'm like seeing that all kind of with food yeah and so feel that way about caffeine too or kind of kind of but so like think about how much fucking pots of coffee go around at aa meetings it's like this is our last great vice Exactly. And I, I turned to caffeine because I was super crazy. It was like a big crunch with work. And then I was also, I sat for a big exam. And my husband, also by marriage, has healed in ways that I didn't even know were possible, which I feel like, I don't know if that's like a whole other topic, but I do want to talk about it. But my husband, just our mornings and the age of our kids, It's like he gets up and he goes downstairs because he doesn't have to put on makeup or anything. And um, I'm at the point in my job where I'm not waking up in pajamas and staying in the house in pajamas anymore. I'm putting on my face and putting on an outfit and I'm leaving the house just about the same time they are just about every day because I'm that busy with my work. Anyway, he goes downstairs first and gets the baby fed. And then he comes up with a hot cup of coffee for me while I'm putting on my makeup. Yeah, That's just the most fucking romantic thing. I can think of. And I wasn't going to go, oh, babe, I'm decaf. I was like, I have a Give thousand things right <laughs> now. Hand, hand me that glass of legal <laughs> cocaine. And 
And it was a point in my life where it really did feel like cocaine yeah. because I hadn't had any caffeine in so long. Right. You're like, so I was like, <laughs> now it just feels like this thing I need to need again in order to maintain. Anyway, anyway, I don't know. But maybe, don't know but maybe do you feel like sobriety will, I would imagine that sobriety through alcohol will help, you know, does help us all in these sub relationships with other substances and things like sugar and, you know, food. totally. Okay. It helps us see the moving parts that are going on behind the curtain. It helps us see, I don't know if this is a good analogy, but like the strings of the puppet or like the gears of the clock is how I see it. Yeah, I can see behind the curtain of when I want something, why I want something, how I'm using it, uh, the after effects of when I use it, the way I'm thinking about using it. I do feel I still engage in some of the behaviors, but I do feel like I can see behind the curtain. Yeah. Because of the work I've done for my addiction with alcohol. I'm holding this cat. <laughs> okay, tell me about your cat. Wait, I can't see your picture. Can you see my cat? Oh, wait, why? Where am I? There you go. Look at this. Actually, he's going to attack me. He's a kitten. His name is Chai because I named it after caffeine. My favorite caffeine source. I love it. He's like full cat now. But I love it. Um, we just got him like two months ago. So I think he's about four months old. He's been super lovey. Oh. Yeah, that's so great. You know, it's like I kind of want a cat, but. Are you sensitive? I don't know. No, I love cats. I love cats. I feel like I feel like if I got a cat, um, I would like neglect my kids. Yes. Play with the cat and talk to the cat and like go back to myself before I had kids when we had cats. <laughs> I feel like yeah. that'd be one of those. It's been nice to have. I you love a cat. I mean, now that we're not in an apartment anymore, it makes a little bit more sense to have one. And cats are pretty yeah. chill, you know. Super chill. Super chill. I just. I guess the thing that's keeping me from getting a cat is um, having to burden my neighbor with coming yeah. over and taking care of it every time I go on vacation. Because guess what, bitches? I am a sober toddler. And you know what I've been doing? <laughs> I've been working. I've been owning my work. And I've been taking my, like, dream vacations. That's awesome. Yeah, you just went oh, to okay. That's amazing. I love England. I can't wait to go back one day. Can I talk about it for a second? Absolutely. Can I talk about a sober win? First of all, the entire thing was a sober win, okay? Because I planned and took this trip to Italy with, I took my mom because in sobriety, I've healed my relationship with myself. I've healed my marriage. I've cultivated a great relationship with my kid that's enduring and it uh, makes them feel like humans and I'm present and I'm breaking the cycle. But another thing that I wasn't really expecting is I'm healing the relationship with my mom. Oh, which that's good. Yeah. I feel is huge. Like I've, I have spent a lot of time being a little bitch to my mom. Just we all are bitches to our mom, I think. Selfish. Yes. I didn't even know my mom had feelings till I was like 27. And even then, I was a catty bitch. And I, I, once I had children, I gained a lot more respect for my mom. Like my baby came out and they were like, meet your daughter. And I was like, I need to call my mom and apologize. Yeah. 
Because like the way I feel about this thing on my chest right now, holy shit, this is the way my mom feels about me. Right, right. And I would do anything for this thing. And I have been such a backtalk, sassy little brat to my mom. So it's just been a lot. And in sobriety, I've been able to actually see my mom as a person now that I'm 40 something years old, you know? And so I'm working on just like, just seeing her as a person and like forgiving her faults and shortcomings and celebrating her. And I wanted to take her to Italy so that when she died, I wouldn't have this regret that I never did anything worthwhile with her, you know? So anyway, so I went to the trip. The trip is a win. And then um, during the trip, right before the trip, right before the trip, I turned to my husband and I said, babe, I kind of got to go to the UK. We're already going to be over there in the neighborhood. Yeah. And I've got to go see my buddy. I got to. And it means that you have to hold it down with my mom, who is really helpful, but also you kind of have to babysit her sometimes, especially in a poor country. Like she can't, she just gets overwhelmed in, in a foreign country about reading a bus schedule, reading a train schedule, knowing which goddamn, she can't like, know what gate to go to in the airport i'm like mom it's just a normal airport it's just the same yep. same thing <laughs> anyway she's she's helpful with the baby but in other ways she's a whole other thing basic and i was like babe i gotta go i got it and if i'm gonna go see london i can't do it without my nine-year-old daughter she's got yeah. to go see it with me the whole time i'm gonna be wishing she was with me. so i gotta do this and so me just asking negotiating that with my partner that never would have happened when I was drunk. Never. I, know, I never would have had. Because I thought that in order to make everything easier for our marriage, I needed, I should give up anything I ever want and put myself last. And if I, if I put everybody else first and I never cause any waves, then everything will be a lot easier. Because that's what alcohol, to me, alcoholism was. It was me making stuff e- easy and keeping everything comfortable, staying comfortable, never, never getting comfortable, being uncomfortable, never working through anything difficult, never raising anything difficult. Just, just if something gets difficult, escape it through the bottom. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, or gut it out and stay up late, fixing it, solving it, doing it for other people. So that it's not a problem and it's not difficult. And so in actuality, making bringing up things that might be a challenge or doing something that's difficult actually makes life better. It's, yeah. I, I don't know how to explain it. I'm not a marriage therapist, but <laughs> me just having these boundaries for myself and saying, this is something I need to do. And it's going to mean that you're going to have to step up and get uncomfortable so that I can have this thing that really matters to me. And it's been two plus years of me saying this is something that really matters to me. That's awesome. Um, I love that. And he, he's, he's gotten accustomed to making space and holding space for things that really matter. And it could be something as the old me would call selfish. Yeah. But the new me is like, this is something that's important to me. This is my self-care. This is my long drawn out skincare routine that I have now. This is my... <laughs> This is my need to go skip off to London for three days with my daughter. So anyway, 
me asking to go to London, me going to London was a sobriety win. And then here's actually what happened. We went to London. I got to hang out with Shiki. He made me a proper cup of English tea. We went, we saw all of London in a day with his daughters and my daughter and his mom. I could cry just thinking about it. I saw the photos. I was wondering who all those people were. I mean, I recognized you and your daughter, but yeah. It was his daughters and his mom. And we, it was a cool day because it poured rain and then the sun came out. And then it poured rain and then the sun came out. That's and England. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. And we saw, we saw all these cool things and we did, we packed more in a day than we ever could because we were sober. We talked about how I'm like, bro, by now I would have been like, let's duck into a pub and have a beer and we're celebrating, right? Yeah, and like at 11 a.m. Yes, 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 yes. But here's the other thing is um, the day we were supposed to fly back to Italy to reunite with my family so that we could fly back to the U.S. the following day, there were all these airstrikes for the Italian air towers. Oh, and I woke up in the morning in my little Airbnb to this email that said, your flight has been canceled and there is no rescheduling. We have no idea when the Italian airports will begin even rescheduling, let alone taking flights. Well, I the guess air tower not bad are on strike. Stuck, though. <laughs> well, I was in the UK. I was in the oh. UK and my family was stuck. Oh, yeah. And I texted, I texted Shiki the email. He's like, oh shit. He's like, well, let's go out for breakfast and deal with it. And we were both like super calm about it. Yeah. Like I was stuck there. He needed to help me reunite with my family mm-hmm. and i was just like we were both like well we can solve this we yeah. have sobriety it's it's not the big of a deal it's and that I was such that. a sobriety win it was such a sobriety win normally i would have been like oh my i'm stuck in a foreign country my family's stuck in a foreign country now my times are gonna be so pissed at me because i'm not gonna get their shit done tomorrow or whatever maybe yeah and my yeah. husband's going to be so pissed at me because I took this whole pass yeah. and now I'm not back when I said I would be. Right. And he's stuck with my mom in an Italian airport all day. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't have any of those thoughts. I was like, it is what it is. And we're going to do what we can with what we have. And guess what? It was fine. I, you took the words out of my mouth. Like, I really embrace that it is what it is. Because really, like, when we talk about control and you and i've had this conversation before like there's no it's just wasted energy trying to control things you can't control and when that settles in sometimes at first it can feel really uncomfortable but then it's like extremely liberating when you're like wow i really can't control this why even bother getting upset about it you know and it's almost like you almost start to welcome the challenges because we're, you know, our lives would be pretty boring if we didn't have these things that come into them, you know? And I totally. don't want to say you can, like, look forward to the rollover accidents and the Italian airstrikes, but in a way, mm-hmm. kind of, like, when they happen, they don't knock you off your game like like they used mm-hmm. to. And you don't feel the need to, like, swing the opposite way and, like, drink into it, especially. Like, oh, poor Well me. said. You know? It's crazy. Yeah. And not like at all, but uh, just for sobriety for the win again, like and money things like we were able to buy this house, you know, and I was thinking about how we probably wouldn't have been able to buy it 
if we were both drinking still, because I mean, yep. You know, not that we would have necessarily dug into our long-term savings to buy booze, but we might have gotten into more credit card debt or, you know, maybe my business wouldn't be so good and we wouldn't have that income, you know, and it just feels really good to be able to make that kind of choice. And like you were saying with um, getting permission or doing what you need to do. So this was kind of a tricky move that probably not a lot of moms would make because, so my kids are still back in Denver and right. one of them is older. She's 20. So she's moved out already, but the other one is 15. And now okay. I don't see them every single day. Like I used to. Now I see them every two weeks for, and pretty much on the breaks of school. So instead of seeing them week on week off, you know, maybe about 14 plus days a month, you know, we would flop one week and then they'd mm -hmm. go back to their dads. Now I'm seeing them just on weekends and um, like maybe two or three weekends a month in the longer school breaks. And now um, there are a fair amount of longer school breaks, like Thanksgiving is cupping up and mm -hmm. that'll be like a nice 10 day break. But, you know, it's been a big adjustment, but I, I am okay with it. Like, it's like they want to be at school where they are in Denver and I don't blame them for not wanting to go to school. Mm -hmm. Bum fuck. But, yeah, totally, totally. You know, but that's been something that I would have not asked my co-parent to do. You know, I probably right. made myself suffer because the honest truth and people don't know, you know, it's just the dynamics of cities like, um, you know, yeah. renting in Denver got crazy expensive. We just couldn't totally. really afford it anymore. And so and, you know, that's us making like a decent salary combined. So. It just, it's not even that we couldn't afford, we didn't want to afford the crazy rent anymore. Um, and that's not even worth a uh, tangent into, but like, I wouldn't have been able to say to my co-parent that I parent these children with, like, this is what I need to do. This is what I'm yep. doing. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to work it out and it's going to be okay. And, mm -hmm. you know, and we've worked through it, you know, and it's been hard to not and and also my mind before if I was drinking my mind would have made it into like you're a bad mother you're yeah. there for them every day and now I'm just like even worse yeah. yeah but now it's it's actually I don't want to say it's a better situation it's just different so now when my daughter comes or my daughters come um they will actually spend time with me whereas you know like yeah. quality time like we do things together Whereas like, you know, when you've got like an everyday amount of visitation with somebody, it's real easy for like a kid to be like, well, I'll see you later. I'm going to go on and play on my Xbox. And, you know, now yeah. that we're only seeing each other like three days every two weeks, like it's more meaningful in a way. And it's kind of one of those things I don't think I would have been able to mentally handle as easily in yeah. active drinking, if that makes sense. Oh, Absolutely. And it's like shifted the dynamic and you're finding the value in that shift. Yeah. And it's and more I like think they probably are too. They mm -hmm. probably are too because it doesn't really matter how old they are. It doesn't really matter that the one is 20 years old. They still need their mother to be present right. and aware and, and to be able to go, hey, you guys want to like, I don't know, do this mosaic or go on a walk or... Just to just to be there, present. 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I'm just, I'm more open, I think, to all things. So another kid example that's, I think, cool of not to be like cool me hip mom my daughter literally before this call just sent me a text message the older one and said i think i'm gonna shave my head <laughs> i was and she was like kind of longish hair as well kind of hippie mm-hmm. vibe and and you know whereas i think you know a couple years ago you know when i was more wrapped trapped in my like drinking and my ego thought patterns and all that I would have been like, don't do it. You're you're going to hate that. I would have tried to control it. And now I was like, cool. Oh, yep. cool. Yeah. You no. Know? And it's like, I just, it, it's amazing to me what doesn't impact me as much anymore, you know, and that I yeah. have control. And that is like its own, like, freedom and liberation that I didn't expect would come along with all this. Which is so liberating right to to have basically you kind of have like a triage nurse a well-trained triage nurse in your mind that goes that can prioritize and sort what types of things to give a care about and what types of things to just let other people own and before i didn't even have anybody in the er going (laughs) what order should we take there's a bloodshot wound and a whatever or bloodshot, a guy shot. <laughs> it's a bloodshot wound. It happens out here in Colorado <laughs> all the time. And 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 also like there's like the um, the codependence piece yeah. where I read a I read a little bit about codependence. I am by no means an mm. expert. Okay, I'm just me. But I read about it and a lot of it wrong truth for me. And I'm working through it. And the thing where you're the preoccupation with the other. So like with your daughter mm. shaving her head, for example, it's like. You're preoccupied with how she will be perceived by others and mm. how that will reflect on you. Right, right. And and you need to control that because you need to be in control of how others perceive you. Mm-hmm. And you're also spending a lot of energy judging others for what they let their daughters do. Or I can't believe they, you know, would whatever. And so when you start to move away from that, because you're firming up your boundaries, you're living more inside your own skin, and you actually are, you actually care about yourself rather than others. You know, you're not putting yourself last so that others remain comfortable. Then you can go, cool girl, that decision is completely yours. <laughs> and the way that you are perceived by others is yours. And I'm not wrapped up in my perception, the way others perceive me isn't wrapped up in the way they perceive you. And I actually don't really care how they're perceiving me. Because mm-hmm. the way I perceive myself is pretty much the most important thing. That's the secret. Yeah, yeah. And it's so liberating. Uh, even just like protecting them from regret. Like before as a mom, yeah. I thought, oh, they're going to regret this. And I would have then wanted to talk them out of it just to maybe forestall that emotion for them but now i'm like you know what i they kept asking me i could tell she was like do you think it'll look bad do you think it'll look bad like every other question do you think i should do it and i was like i wouldn't focus on how it's gonna look or worry about how it's gonna look think about how it's gonna feel i imagine it would feel liberating you know and i just it feels 
not to like pat us our both selves on the back, but it feels really good to be here, like in this place mm-hmm. of clarity and calm and peace and just being like, you know, whatever. Like it is what uh-huh. you want shave your head. You know, roll mm-hmm. over your car, whatever. <laughs> and uh, not to be like, you know, painting sobriety like this big, like, who gives a shit? Because it's not that. It's it's transcending beyond some of these things, you know, is what yeah. I think. Um, well, it, it went, so to me, what sobriety is, is I feel like I have a very clear understanding about what to spend my fucks on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I know exactly. I don't just give a fuck about everything until I'm worn thin. Mm-hmm. I give a fuck very specifically. Yeah, 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 for sure. And it's it's really nice because at the end of the day, I have plenty of fucks left over for myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's not totally. even translated. It totally translates. That's 100% what you mean. <laughs> I have all these fucks left over to give to my long drawn out skincare routine yes. that I adopted with well, my now, wait a minute. Let me ask about this. How many steps does your skin, because I have a skincare routine too, and I want to know how many lotions and potions in your morning skin ritual does it take? How many products? It's a, it's, the number is two digits. Because I think you told me that you were, you like measured it at one point, counted how many products from like, did you tell me that? How many products that you did from like the moment you started your skincare routine till the end and it was something like 40? <laughs> uh, maybe, I don't remember that conversation. It's possible. It's so, it's a, can I, since we're just talking, can I tell you about it? Yeah. My, my skincare routine is like, it's part of my like philosophy. It goes hand in hand with my sobriety because when I decided to get sober, it was during us. And then like two weeks later, we went camping with some of my friends from high school. And one of them is a nurse. She's like an anesthesia nurse at the Colorado Cosmetic Surgery Center. Okay. And um, her and the other girl, they were talking about their skin. And um and I was like, oh, here's this like oil that I get at Vitamin Cottage. And they both kind of looked at that and be like, that's cute. You know, like I came up with like a Minnie Mouse blender. You know what I mean? It would just, <laughs> it just, it just felt. And she was, she just looked at me because we're such good friends. And she's like, girl, we're in our 40s now. Like you have to step up to the big gun. She's like, I can get a deal on the big gun, the whole kits and everything. Just. Let me just send them to you. Just Venmo me the total. You get it for a super deal. I was like, yeah, sure. And I was two weeks sober. Yeah. I was two weeks sober. And so I, but she's long roots in these steps. And it came at a time where I sort of needed something to kind of cling to yeah. in terms of self-care kind of. Mm-hmm. I, I needed this thing to do, to kind of fixate on about and research and, and make a, a space for in my bathroom. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I was, I used to pride myself on being low maintenance. Back to that, that fucking low maintenance, myself last. Yeah. Um, I'm going to make it, I'm going to be easy. 
I'm going to be low maintenance so that it's easier for everybody else. I'm going to be so in the bathroom for only five I minutes. My family takes an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And that's all part of that codependence thing where you don't want to cause any waves. You want to be the one that's easy so that everything is always easy and comfortable because you can't handle discomfort on your part. Well, you can handle yourself being uncomfortable, but you can't handle anybody else. Anyway, so I started just leaning into and making space for this long drawn out skincare routine. I was taking more time and, you know, I have little children and the bedtime routine and the getting up routine, it takes a lot of effort, but I had carved a little bit of that away for myself. And there were some snide comments from my husband, but I, about my long drawn out skincare routine and it seems selfish. It's vain. <laughs> but I, I clung to it. And it, it was this like ritual that I spent on myself. It was this time that I protected in the, you know, at the front of it and at the end of it. And so it's, it's, I don't know how else to say it, but it's this thing that went hand in hand with my sobriety. And it was my very first exercise in building boundaries for myself. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I held to it because I had spent so much fucking money on it. Even though I got 50% off, there was still a three-digit number. Yeah, yeah. And so I was committed to it because I had spent so much money on it. And my friend, I looked up the before and after pictures of this stuff. And I thought, well, I want that. <laughs> and so I held to it and it, it gave me these results beyond the way I look in the mirror. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a symbol of my boundaries for myself, my self-care, my rituals, and my boundaries with my family of what I, I need for me. me. Yeah, for sure. It was the very first thing I ever did in sobriety. And so that's why... I, like I am a skincare obsessive because I'm a self-care boundary obsessive because I'm sober. I was going to ask you, are there other things that you did early in sobriety to kind of like take up time and give you something else to do that you're no longer doing or you've since been like, eh, okay, I use that at the moment, but now I've kind of evolved beyond that. I use the app for journaling yeah i definitely journal out loud into the ether of the internet and i let myself be raw and it was very valuable and i don't really feel like i need to that anymore i try to hop on there because i need to connect with the people that i made a heart and soul connection with by being that raw and that vulnerable who were in that spot so the app dude and just having something that I could just type into about where I was in that moment. Yeah. What about you? Well, there were things, because when you and I first started hanging out more, like I was, one thing I found that was really useful for me was like all that macro tracking and um, kind of emphasis on fitness, because I had kind of like let myself go in drinking. And I really was dying to get back to what I felt like was myself like physically, emotionally, mentally, and all of that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so it was cool in a way to like embrace that and do that. But at some point I did feel like I kind of like got, it it almost became its own like addiction, if that makes sense. 
almost like its own process. Oh, it makes all the sense. <laughs> and and so like I still practice and and so like right, I got to like my ideal weight. And I found cool. that that didn't really make me all that happier though. Like like I'm kind of like five pounds more than that now. But what I've learned now, I'm sure that many women and I'm sure men can agree, like your body kind of wants to be at a certain size even if you're trying, right? And like sometimes if you try to get to that ideal, that perfect, you have to do, you have to like really try. Like you're working out six days a week. You're like, you're counting every morsel maybe. And and maybe there's some satisfaction to getting there. But what I found was like, that kind of didn't really do as much for me as I thought, almost to the mm-hmm. negative. Like it made me kind of like obsessive about it. And now like, you know, so I'm five pounds more than that, but it's a lot easier. For, like, I don't have to do anything. Like, I don't have to give any fucks for my weight right now. Whereas before I was having to do all kinds of things and I'm still embracing hiking. I'm going on a six mile hike on Saturday with one of the people in the app. I'm super excited about that. Um, and then, you know, I'm still doing healthy things, but I almost feel like it's more healthy for me to let that go. Let that go of that need and for, at 45 to be 25 like again and and to be perfect and and that part of it has been like a trajectory because it was like oh i'm gonna be i'm gonna be my my most ideal self you know like okay i'm gonna be sober i'm gonna be my perfect self and that can be its own mental fuckery you know of its own and i'm i'm realizing now that like maybe you know my idea of my perfect self isn't really perfect you know at all yeah that's awesome. That's, that's because like it comes at a cost. It's exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, right now I'm exam. I read, I read, I read some books. I read this great memoir. It's called, I'm glad my mom died by Jeanette McCurdy. Oh, she was a child. She was a child actress. She was like a child star. And it's about how her mom had this like overbearing relationship with her. But at the end, she starts talking about her relationship with food. And like, I, uh, I've been tracking macros by the gram obsessively. And then I, I'm working on stopping, but but like really uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. But in a good way. Yeah. Like, cause I do believe that I, cause don't we all, don't we kind of take what they call it a cross addiction? Yes. You know, where you're just find this other thing that you cling to and like, it's just, it's just like level of control. Yeah. Even though I wasn't, I'm not really in control. Like when I'm chilling myself and logging every gram of a macro. Yeah. No, I'm still out of the same size. Wow. Like I was in Italy for three weeks. Okay. I wasn't tracking shit. It was just yeah. carbs and stairs. I hope you had all that's the pizza in the world. I did. I went crazy because that's the thing. I'm either like super fiercely tracking and restricting or it's no holds barred. Yeah. And and I came back and I was kind of like a same size. Yeah. Right. And so you do have to pause and say like, how much is this like over obsession with every single morsel worth it? Now, don't get me wrong. It was a really useful tool and i do think that it works but like we're saying i think one can take it too far and and you know going back to that disease acceptance like you know there might be some you know 
pre-tendencies or, you know, predispositions, I guess, to these kinds of thought patterns where we get obsessed with things. And uh, yeah, like, I mean, I, I would even be bummed. I'll, I'm not afraid to say if, if we knew, if I knew we were camping for the weekend and I couldn't bring any caffeine, it would take me a hot second to get over it. I'd get over it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, so I, I'm trying to, I guess, look at these things now with a more careful eye, but I'm also just going with it, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's about like zooming out. Like, I feel like with sobriety, like, here's the other thing too, is I was spending a lot, as a drinker, I spent a lot of brain power on like doing math about like how much water I, I should be drinking, how many drinks I had, how much hours of sleep I had, how far away the thing is that we need to be at, who's going to drive, who's going to watch my kids. Who, how much alcohol will there be? What time will the liquor store close? Oh, I was spending so much brain power on right. staying drunk and staying and keeping it a secret and managing it, managing my inside life with my outside appearance and my perception of by others. Like, and so maybe I was like, maybe I've been trying to transfer that brain power that I've been spending over to like food. I don't, yeah, but I don't. I don't think about that stuff anymore. It's like I used to, and 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 then and then I got sober and I quit drinking and I was spending a lot of brain power on staying sober and and just noticing the way alcohol would present itself in my life and in society mm-hmm. and the and all that. And I just, I really do feel like alcohol is fading into the rearview mirror. Yeah. It's like a shitty ex. Yeah, it's like a shitty ex. It's just this thing that I don't even look up on Instagram anymore to see how mm-hmm. much shit they look like. Yeah, and I have I to don't admit, even. Yeah, and I mean, I feel that way too. But I have to admit, if somebody would have told me day one, week one, in two years, you're still going to be thinking about this. I would have probably shit myself, <laughs> and not. I would have been maybe too afraid to go into this because I just sort of thought. Oh, once it's out of sight, out of mind, you know, that's just going to be it, you know? And so, I mean, not to scare people out there who are, um, you know, going through the early days or the early months mm-hmm. or resetting, but I mean, it is, it has been a lot more, um, I guess, consuming in certain time frames and and more than i thought it would be like it's been more on all the levels but in 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 the good ways as well you know i just didn't know that you're, you're still thinking about this and you're still going to think about this but yeah. what you say that the way you think about it and the brain with which it enters your mind is so different like right. here's the thing it's your thing it's your thing. It's not your fault, but it's your responsibility. It's always going to be your thing. You have to know that. But the battle that you were fighting on day five, day 12, day 70 is such a different battle than the battle you're fighting now. That's so true. Exactly. I totally agree with that. And it's just different. It's just different. And it's not as hard, of course. 
You know, it's not, you know, in the beginning, you're so getting through like those little hurdles. And it's so amazing to me, like you clear all those, you know, and, and you can start to live a normal life without alcohol. I mean, first, it's just mm -hmm. getting through the living without it, you know, but then there's all these other, um, you know, nuancey challenges, I guess, at least for me, you know, everybody's so totally. different. I know there are people who just like accepted it from day one, maybe, and didn't think about it at all. I'm sure those unicorns are out there. <laughs> I don't know, because we live in a society, we live on a globe, we live on a planet that normalizes alcohol, right. encourages alcohol, and it mainstreams it so that it really is the only drug you have to justify not doing. And not doing it is you're literally going against the grain. And it's, oh. the, most it's the most difficult thing is, is getting through society by basically fucking walking around on your hands. Right. Yeah. Did you notice, and, that, you probably saw the things on the ballot this last time. So our state just had, they they said yes to alcohol delivery, alcohol, like some other weird alcohol. Get it passed. Yeah, I think they Get all passed. I think they all did. I voted against it. I was sitting at the counter. Oh my God, I'm so glad you brought this up. I was sitting at the counter with my husband and my father-in-law, who I love, who I love. And I trust him. He is wise. He's such an amazing man. He's like, like think of Gandalf next <laughs> to like Dumbledore. Mixed with like, um, you know, Gandalf like and Dumbledore were the same actor. <laughs> I know. And he kind of looks like him too. Yeah. But, okay. Also, throw in like Mike Rowe. Yeah. Okay? yeah, yeah. That's my father in law. He's amazing. But on that point, they were like, oh, yeah, no brainer. Alcohol in convenience stores and grocery stores, no brainer. And I was like, oh. We were like all voting together, you know, like reading up on the deets of the sheriff, you know, yeah. like, well, should we pick him or not? Right. I absolutely voted that shit down. I was like, you guys, alcohol is everywhere. I don't know anyone who's suffering from sobriety because of their lack of access to alcohol. I know. I know. I voted against them, too. But it's it's it's. Uh, sadly indicative of the times. And that's as you say, that's one of the biggest battles is against this normalization that you've got going all around you. And you have to reframe that in your mind. You have to say, well, look, you know, even though the whole world is doing that, I'm going to be different. But that's, that's, I guess, at the heart of what the challenging, most challenging part is for me is, is getting beyond those sometimes. Because, you know, you're going to have that moment where, you know, your mind says, well, look at all this. <laughs> look at how normal. Yeah. yeah, even that day on the ballot, you know. My mind tried to make that into a thing. Yep. Yep. And I, to me, like when we're talking about the battles that you're having in the early battles, like, yeah, there's this battle to not take a drink in your hand and put it to your lips to not drink. But inside that and like before that and deeper than that is like the reason that you drink. And it's like, it's about escaping reality and escaping your problems. Yeah. And, and when you don't drink and you sit there with the thing that you wanted to drink about or drink yourself away from, and you're actually sitting with your feelings, that's, that's the work. Yeah. The work isn't not picking up. The work is sitting with a feeling. 
and seeing it through and getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. Because that's what, that's to me what alcoholism is, is you're escaping a, a feeling, a problem, uh, whatever, and, and not escaping and sitting there. That's, that's the work. That's the heart. That's the battle to me. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, that again, like is like those mental thoughts that you have and those rationalizations, that's again, where like the tall Eckhart tall things have been super helpful to me because once you can start to separate those thoughts and be like, okay, I'm having that thought, but it's not me inside. It's, it's like a manifestation of, of all these thought forms and these influences around me. Once you can separate no. that out and it's not becoming you, that makes all the difference. That to me has <laughs> been one of the biggest tools of sobriety. His <laughs> thoughts are just thought. They're just, they're just passing visitors. They're not who you are. Totally. So like to wrap this up, kind of like, what do you think you have like advice that you tend to dole out now to newbies, new sobriety folks, or yeah. find now that like you're not providing as much advice or what, what's your, what do you think about that? Like in your right. awesome, you know, like, in, because I, yeah. oh, the reason why I'm asking this is because six months in, I felt like I had all kinds of advice and opinions and do this yeah. my way. And I see that in others, you know, like do this thing. And I think it's just a natural reaction to our maybe amazement that we got there. We want to share. Yeah. And there's nothing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because you never know what's going to help somebody. But I wonder if you felt that way and how that's changed as you've gone along. At the, and now that you're a toddler, are you a wise toddler? toddler? <laughs> are we still we babies? We babies. We babies. I, I so see that. That's such an awesome topic to bring up because another part of codependence and that urge to control others so that you control your environment so that you can manage discomfort um, is to give advice. And the word should, you should be doing this. I should drink more water, you know, and, and just telling others what they need to do. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. And, um, and they don't, and I do see it on the it. app. No. And on too, like every time you go to post, there's this whole list of things that they're like, you're not allowed to say this. And we don't encourage you saying this, but I see people saying that shit all. If you can do it, I can do it. Shut the fuck up. By the way, I just want to say it looks like you're about to conduct a seance. <laughs> Sarah's got her arm or her hands wrapped around this glowing candle, and it looks like she's about to raise the dead. <laughs> My daughter's like really into witchcraft right now, actually. Oh, nice. No, just because of how like Halloween has come and gone, and she's still <laughs> like drawing pentagrams. Does she read, um, has she read the Green Witch book? Because my child was reading that Green Witch book, which I thought was like a fictional book, but then I started reading it or we were listening to it on an audio book and it's actually like all about green witchery. Oh, that's awesome. Well, she has a, they have a class at school. They have one of their electives is gardening. Oh. And she's like, mom, my gardening teacher is a witch. Here's how I know. She knows about plants. 
She knows about the moon. She knows about, uh, there's, she, she knows about natural healing. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, girl. That's what totally she's right. Natural natural is. God. <laughs> she is. She's just, she's a naturopath. She's like, it's like naturopath, like, and now she's kind of going into this pagan thing. And I think it's whatever, whatever. Okay. Back to advice yes. and sobriety. <laughs> I recently, someone recently approached me, an old friend that I've known for years, approached me and said, hey, girl, I've been meaning to reach out to you because I quit drinking. Today's day 70. And um, your, I put up your post that you put up on Instagram for your one year celebration, all the stuff that you wrote. She's like, I actually, it was really inspiring to me. And I refer back to it regularly. That's and, awesome. Um, and my thought was, I told Shiki about it. And I said, I can't wait to meet up with her and just listen yeah. to where she's at and what she's struggling with and what her triumphs are. And I have this, and I think it goes back to my cool, calm, comfortable self-assurance that I own. I literally own it now that I don't feel the need to come in and wave my arms around and tell you, well, here's what worked for me and here's what you need to do. I'm pretty comfortable that she is exactly on the path that she is meant to be and the path belongs to her. It does not belong to me. And, and I have curiosity about how it's going for her yeah. and how I can reflect on how that went for me and what, what, you know, just how that relates to my experience. Yeah. I'm not compelled to control or guide or be little miss, you know, bossy pants. <laughs> it's true. I find that the Zooms that you and I were on and that still exist, and I don't know if you go off and I hardly ever go anymore, but I mm -hmm. find that, um, I'm more drawn to the people who are just listening versus the mm -hmm. people who just almost look like they can't, like they are, they're thinking about the next thing to say while the person's still talking. And as I recognize that in other people, and it might be, I mean, I don't want this to be too much of an egoic thing, but like, like I just, I just saw things in that and i just it kind of made me it because mm -hmm. uh, you know none of us really know what we're doing you know who made no. it far you know i mean the shit that made it like from one day to the next is so silly some of it you know like i've got this mm -hmm. sobriety bracelet i just uh, bought a new one i don't even know what the mm -hmm. stone is but it had this little charm and i bought it like a weekend maybe like four days in i bought this it's not a sub true sobriety bracelet it's just a it's just a gemstone bracelet but the maker allowed you to put whatever you wanted on the charm so i was like i'm gonna turn this into a sobriety bracelet and i put my sober date on it and like same shit like for like whenever i ordered it on etsy or whatever like um there was some moment around the week mark that i was really tempted to drink and i was like but i can't because i just ordered the sobriety bracelet and, and like yeah. that shit kept me going here and there for a couple mm -hmm. months and then your mind finds something else to keep going like you know sometimes even just early on my next therapy appointment kept me going because that was like mm -hmm. that accountability so you know to mm -hmm. me like I just feel fortunate that I'm here 
and I'm less uh like thinking about anymore like how I got here I'm just kind of like thank goodness I'm here and I just want to hear people like I know I've said this before to you but I feel like I really hear people now like even just talking to my kids I hear them I listen to them I'm not just waiting to like impart my opinion on them like I'm actually (laughs) hearing them and that feels so good to me it's huge it's so well said It's so well said, because here's the thing. No one can do it but you. You can't do it alone. Yes. No one can do it but you. Mm -hmm. And so whatever I'm going to say to my newly sober friend or to my kids for that matter, it's not going to be a lesson learned for them. Yeah. It's just going to be more of the background noise that they hear all the time. You have to do it for yourself. My kids have to forget their gloves. Yeah. When they go to school after it just snowed. Me yeah. nagging, don't forget your gloves, remember your gloves. It's not going to help. They have to forget <laughs> their gloves in order to learn. It's true. So, That's such a good analogy as well. Do you anticipate anything about going forward? Do you worry about relapse as one example? I mean, I know, um, you know, there's always that sentiment of like, uh, we're all only one drink away from our next relapse. And it sounds like, you know, you and I are both a little bit more like forever, but we're not saying it out loud. But I mean, do, yeah. do you have things that you're like anticipating might be still waiting for you? Things in the closet, <laughs> things that you have to deal with more. It's weird. But this thing back to this food thing, whenever I would like have like a like carb day or like remember how like sundays were like just yes not they don't call it a cheat day but like a super day day. (laughs) yeah super day like my brain would be like and i can drink too like your brain yeah everything like um but i don't i have a lot of really strong lighthouses in my life that have 18 and 20 years of sobriety and so i know to approach it with this like respectful humility mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think that respectful humility uh about my future and sobriety keeps me keeps my feet on the ground yeah and i i know i can make it through christmas i know i can make it through halloween i know i can go to a concert like that stuff no i don't i yeah, because I mean, traveling, that was, I mean, did you ever think when you were traveling? Because even I still feel like if I was traveling somewhere like that, I'd have to maybe psych myself up a little bit. But I would know I'd be able to do it. I would just have to be kind of on the ready for the triggers and be in front of the triggers. And Drifter talks about that, our you know, amazing podcast host of Sobertown. Mayor. The Mayor, mayor of Sobertown. He talks about, you know, being ahead of the cravings and... Another acceptance thing is being okay with it being tiring sometimes because, you know, as we've talked about, there is something uh, to recovery fatigue and, um, you know, even just being aware of that. Like, that's my biggest awareness is like, okay, I need to be aware of the times that I'm more vulnerable and uh, my mind is like not fully on guard or ready to say some things, you know, Uh, (laughs) those are only the things that I'm like wondering i'm always wondering like what will your what will my brain dream up in year three you know 
I, I, I don't think about it that way. I think about if I'm doing this much cool shit right now and I feel this good right now, mm-hmm. what type of cool shit and great self-assurance am I going to have right. a year from now? Like, yeah, I really absolutely. do see it as like this gift that keeps on giving because I, 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 you guys, this sounds so, it's, it's funny because I'm just like so ridiculously positive, but I really do feel like there's a miracle every single day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I really do. I, I just feel, just feel like there's a miracle every day. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, and, and the miracle is like me being on time to pick up my kids. <clears throat> Small miracles for sure. Me, not that, that feeling of rushing around and yelling at other cars because I'm late and I need to be somewhere. <laughs> like, I don't, I, 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 I was like, early to an appointment yesterday and I was just like this is who I am now I'm that person that I never thought I could be 